be in Mark chapter 14 today, Mark chapter 14. Starting a new series this week uh, of the days leading up to Easter. Um, of course, Easter is the celebration uh, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. something different. Let's see. All right, I'll just stand still or talk really loud today. How does that sound? Anyways, we're having a new series uh, looking at the events leading up to uh, the resurrection of Christ and looking at uh, the... There, a lot happened, right? Uh, leading up the few days, the week or so before... Uh, the resurrection of Christ, of course, the crucifixion of Christ, the death of Christ, and His resurrection. And so we want to take the next several weeks leading up to Easter uh, to talk about uh, those events. And then, of course, we will conclude it on Easter Sunday, talking about the resurrection of Christ as well. So in Mark chapter 14, our focus tonight, or the tonight, today is on the Last Supper. and uh, But there's a few events that happen along with that. Next week, we'll look at the uh, garden uh, the events that happened in the garden, looking forward to that as well. But tonight, uh, today, man, we're in Mark 14. Let's look starting in verse number 3, Mark chapter 14, starting in verse number 3. The Bible says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why, hast the, uh, why was this waste of an ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have uh, been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever... Uh, ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for memorial of her. Now you say, I thought we were talking about the Last Supper. We are. It's coming, I promise. Uh, but this event leads up to that even so. So let's pray. We're going to look at three things, four things, excuse me, this morning. We're going to look at an anointing, a betrayal, a message, and a memorial. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look into your word. And God, as we prepare ourselves for the celebration of your resurrection. God, I pray that today you would help us to learn from these events. God, that you'd help us to be encouraged. I think there is so much encouragement in these passages. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to be challenged uh, through this as well. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to present these uh, verses clearly and correctly, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here as the time is approaching, and you'll notice in the life of Christ, the closer that he gets to the uh, crucifixion, you'll see him more and more talk about that event that's coming, the death uh, as well as the resurrection, but the death that is approaching quickly uh, for him. And a lot of times you'll kind of watch the disciples just kind of breeze right on past it. 
they don't seem to catch on uh, very well exactly what he's talking about, the, the, the truth behind what he is saying and the events that are about to happen. It's almost as though they don't, they don't get it, which can you blame them? Oftentimes we don't get it either. But we see here, first of all, in this passage, we see this instance where they have come up to this house They're in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. That's right, the leper. He's no longer the leper, but nonetheless, uh, here they they were. And this woman, she takes an ointment. uh, Let's see here. It says an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box and she poured it on Jesus' head. This is important to see in this anointing, by the way. This is the first point in anointing. We see this woman... And we see that she uses a very precious, this is not just any box uh, of ointment. This is not just any, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, Walmart brand ointment. This is a very precious ointment. This is one that is very costly. This is one that is not um, uh, one that you just waste, right? There are things that you just don't waste. If you grew up like I did, there are certain things you don't waste. You don't waste uh, pop or soda or coke whatever you call it you don't waste it why because you don't have it very often and so when you have it you better drink all of it or else everyone hates you for wasting it uh there are there are other things that you just you just don't waste right you don't waste opportunities sometimes you get an opportunity to do something you don't always get to do you, you do it you don't waste it um you, you don't waste the good orange juice it's okay if you pour out the the off brand but the good stuff the tropicana don't waste it uh you see a lot of my life surrounds around beverages i'm a big fan of orange juice and soda pop but anyways we see that this box of ointment that she had was very precious it was costly it was special and she broke the box open and she poured it anointed the head of jesus christ And you see how the disciples saw this action. They didn't go, wow, that was a special moment. Boy, that was really uh, uh, giving of her to take this costly ointment and pour it over the head of Christ. No, they saw it as a waste. Verses 4 and 5 said that there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of, of the ointment made? And it says in verse 5, it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. You'll find the uh, religious folk will oftentimes use the excuse that you shouldn't have done that because I didn't want you to, but they'll use the excuse of you could have done something better with it. Oftentimes, not always, oftentimes when we are mad at someone for doing something good, it's because we didn't do it. Right? It's because we weren't the ones that thought of it, or we weren't the ones that did it, or we weren't the ones that did whatever, so we get angry. Well, but they could have done something different. Well, but they could have given to the poor. Well, they could have sold it. Well, they could have done all these things. That wasn't the point. The point was they weren't the ones that did it. Oftentimes, religious people get jealous of godly people doing good things. Now, understand, I use those words on purpose. Religious people doesn't make you godly. Being religious doesn't make you godly. Being religious isn't what God seeks from you. But religious people playing the game of religion get mad at godly people doing things that are right because they weren't the ones that did it. 
And you see this anger came across these people. And what a waste that she would do this. Why in the world? They try to belittle her actions. They try to belittle her sacrifice. They try to belittle the heart that she had in doing this. And they're frustrated with it. But God brings up a point here. Jesus does. He says, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She's wrought the good work in me. And listen in verse 7. He says, for ye have the poor with you always. Everywhere you turn, there's going to be poor. Every stage of life, there's going to be less fortunate. Everywhere you go, whether it be in America or whether it be in another country, you're going to find people in need. That is just a fact. They are literally everywhere. But he says in verse number uh, 7, But me ye have not always. She had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. When did she do this? The, the answer is she did it when she could. She wasn't with Jesus every day. She was with him now. So she took the opportunity that she had with what she had. She may have had other ointments. I don't know. But she took one that was very precious. And she broke the box and she poured it over the head of Christ. Christ said, she's anointing me for my burying. She's preparing my body for the burying that is ahead. Again, no one goes, what do you mean, Jesus? <laughs> no one seems to take much thought into that, that phrase. But Christ, knowing that the time was near, took this as an anointing for preparing for the burying that is to come in just a few short days. And so we see here, Christ says she did what she was supposed to do because this was the opportunity for her to do it. The time is now. Because you're always going to have the needy to help. You're not always going to have me in the flesh with you to anoint. Now we're fortunate. We don't have Jesus Christ in the flesh. But we have Jesus Christ with us. Right? Jesus Christ is always there with us. But you think about opportunities that God brings your way. That God puts in front of you. That God places into your life. Do you take advantage of those opportunities? When the time is now, you better take advantage of now. Because God's saying, I want you to do this and I want you to do it now. And you go, well, I'm busy, so I'll do it later. Well, I'm busy, and so I'll try another time. Well, I've got this going on or this going on. Or God, you don't understand. Or all these excuses that we throw at God when God says, listen, you can do that tomorrow. I told you to do this now. And I've heard them all. <laughs> I grew up uh, in ministry. My dad was in ministry. My entire life has been spent in ministry. And I've heard the excuses. Well, I need to spend time with my family. Listen, family time is crucial. It is important. You need to spend time with your family. Family is right below God on the priority list. But so many people use that excuse because they know no one's going to challenge them on it. And God says, I need you to do this. Well, God... I need to spend time with my family. <laughs> In most cases, God will say, then take your family with you. Um, but not always. It depends on the situation. Well, God, I don't have the money. God says, I didn't ask you if you had the money. I told you to do it. Well, God, I don't have the time. He said, I didn't ask you if you had the time. I told you to do it. 
You see, the things that you are planning for, the things that you are prepared for, the things that you uh, have in the schedule to do, it's going to be there tomorrow in most cases. But when God says do this now, you better do it now because that's when the time is. I mean, we could go through illustration after illustration of people who died unexpectedly. And God said, I told you to share the gospel with them. And the person said, I'll do it tomorrow. And then they come back tomorrow and that person's not at work anymore. Where's so-and-so? Well, they passed away last night. You know, and that's, that's the, the, the darkest of the illustrations. But you get this idea that God's saying there is a time and place to do things and you better do them when you have the opportunity to do them because you don't know if you're going to get the opportunity again. So do it when you're supposed to. And this lady did just that. And God applauded her for it. Not only that, he says in verse 9 that everywhere the gospel is preached, it says that they're going to talk about this lady as well. Today, March, what is this, 7th, 2021, we're talking about a lady who broke open a bottle of precious ointment and anointed the head of Christ. And thousands of years ago, Christ said to his disciples and the crowd that were there, Whithersoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Listen, you and I aren't going to be named in Scripture. Scripture's already written. <laughs> this lady has been put in not only uh, just for her good deed, so to say, but as an example, for us to remember what she did and why she did it, so that we can do our part the same way. She's a memorial for us, not just for her. That's an anointing. Number two today, I want to look at a betrayal. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went, out, uh, went unto the chief priest to betray him, Christ, unto them, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Jump back to verse number 1 of chapter 14. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him, Christ, to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. The chief priests, they were uh, conniving already away to get to Christ. Guess what? That wasn't a surprise to Christ. Christ knew what was going on. It's the reason he came. It's the reason he was born. Judas, one of the disciples, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about uh, different things, but Judas, every day, he was with Jesus Christ. And yet, you watch Judas's, uh, uh, how his life ended, these last moments of Judas's life, and it makes you understand, it should make you understand that just going to church isn't the answer, right? It is a heart issue. It always has been a heart issue. If you do good things, that's great. But if you have a heart for God and you follow after God, that's what's important. And Judas, he was with Jesus every day, but his heart was not with Jesus. And so he sent away to betray Jesus. Why did he do this? I've heard many people say it was frustration over how the money was handled. Judas was in charge of the money when it came to Jesus and the disciples. 
And here you see this alabaster ointment that's been busted and could have been sold and given to the poor. And we see different times where Judas is concerned about the money. Could have been personal greed as he uh, went and the priest said that uh, they were going to give him money to betray Jesus. I think that it's important for us to understand the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, the love, the desire, the greed. You know, you look at today's society and you look at uh, America today and any book that you open, any uh, um, you know, speech that you hear about success and all those kinds of things, it's all centered around gaining money because they think that if you have all the money, you have all the power, and if you have all the power, you have all the joy. The reality is, you know the phrase, more money, more problems. Uh, you, I, I've seen a number of different interviews with actors out in Hollywood, athletes uh, that are at the top of their game and are filthy rich, and they've retired, and they've got all the money in the world, and you'll hear them talk about, there's just there's something missing. Not all of them would, would attribute that to, to a, a lack of Christ in their life, but they understand that the money, although it has brought them certain joys and certain pleasures, it has also still left a void in their life. And as Christians, we fall into the trap that the world sets, that if you gain money, then you'll get happiness. So I'm going to sacrifice my family for money. So I'm going to sacrifice my service to God for money. Because once I get the money, then I'll have the time and the ability to serve God better. Then I'll have the time and the ability to help my family more. All those sorts of things that we put in there, it's just a love of money, and it's going to lead us to more evil. That's a part of this, I believe, at the very least. That's my opinion with Judas Iscariot. But I believe, obviously, there's more to it as well. God, as he used Pharaoh uh, in Egypt, as he used uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, with Israel that we'll talk about in the afternoon service. He uses Judas to accomplish his will in the ultimate death of Jesus Christ. That was the betrayal. Then and the next point, number three, is a message that Christ gives. In verse number 12 through verse number 17, God uh, sends some out to go out and find the place where they're going to eat, um, the, the room that they were going to use. And so he explains how to do it. It's a, we'll read it because it's an interesting story. It's not really part of the message today, but we'll read it anyways. Verse 12, At the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed um, the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sent forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him, and wheresoever, wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth, came into the city, found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. Now again, it's not part of our sermon outline today, but I find it interesting, don't you? Uh, Jesus says, you go into the city, you're going to see a guy with a pitcher, follow that guy. Once you see where he goes in, go in and tell him, hey, Where's the guest chamber? He'll show you this upper room. It's going to be all set up, ready to go for us. All right, 
why not just say go to this address and this is get everything ready now <laughs> i don't know but it's cool nonetheless uh, that this is the way it worked and the disciples did it they went and they followed and they were there now to our point a message that god gave they're there eating now uh in the upper room verse number 18 it says, uh, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. Now wait a second. I just, to me, this is so intriguing. You've got the twelve, the disciples, the guys that are with Christ, the apostles, they're with Christ every single day. Now they're up celebrating the Passover. They're having the Passover feast. And here they're sitting there, they're eating and they're talking. And Christ says, one of you is going to betray me. Verse 19, listen to their reaction. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him, one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? Now listen, I don't know about you, but when one of, when someone says to me, one of you, my first thought is not me, <laughs> right? One of you, if you go to my kids during the day and you get them together and you say, one of you, immediately they start saying, not me, not me. They don't even know what we're talking about. But they know it wasn't them. Christ says, one of you, one of you 12 is going to betray me. And one by one, what did they do? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray you? <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm enamored by this. I don't know if you are, but it is for me. That's the first question they asked was, it wasn't, it's not me, Lord. I won't do it. Now, eventually, of course, Peter is known for this, saying, I'm not going to do that. But uh, the first response is, is, am I the one that's going to betray you? You know, but we see Christ continues. He says in verse 20, and he answered and said unto them, it is, the, it is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. You know what that means. I'm going to stay away from that dish. They continue to eat. Things continue to go on. Verse 21, the Bible says, The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man uh, is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. We see that uh, there is going to be a great weight on the shoulder of the one that betrays Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Judas would eventually commit suicide. He would regret his actions. It would weigh heavy on him. But in this moment, if you read it, the passage in Matthew about this, uh, this passage, uh, it, it actually goes through the point of uh, the dipping of the bread in the dish together Jesus and Judas. Judas goes his way. We'll talk about that more next week. To complete the betrayal of Jesus Christ. All this going on, all this Jesus knowing where it's leading, he comes back in verse 22. Our last point today is a memorial. He says in verse 22, As they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. You see, in all of this, Christ is still teaching 
Christ is still uh, uh, training, Christ is still preparing, <clears throat> excuse me, the twelve that were with him. And as they are going about, it, it's just so intriguing to me how, how unaware they seem to be of exactly what's happening. Even after the, the talking about betrayal, it appears as though they go about eating and kind of lose sight of that. In fact, they, they didn't get how soon he was talking about. They may have thought maybe in 10 years or 20 years one of us is going to go wrong direction or do something. I don't know. But as they continued to eat, Jesus, he took the bread and he blessed the bread. He gave it to each of them and he tells them, take, eat, this is my body. We read later on in uh, looking through the church that we use this right when we're talking, when we're doing the, what we call the Lord's Supper, communion. Uh, we use this same phrasing. But take, eat, this is my body. In this passage, he doesn't talk about it's going to be bruised for you, it's going to be broken for you, but that's exactly what it was happening. The bread that was broken to give to these, these men in this room was a picture of the body that was about to be broken, not just for them, but for me also. And then he took the cup and he passed it out to everyone. They blessed, they blessed it, gave thanks. He gave it to them and they drank of it and he said, this is my, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. We don't know what was said by the apostles at this time. We don't know the, the setting and how they were, if it was all quiet or what was going on. But he's showing here a picture of his body and his blood, the body that would be broken and the blood that would be shed. The Bible tells us that blood had to be shed for the remission of sins. And Jesus is now preparing for his final days on earth in the flesh and for what was about to come, which was going to be brutal. Mentally agonizing, physically painful, emotionally stressful. Yet here he passes out and he reminds them, and this is a, something now that would be done uh, throughout the rest of church history. Take of the bread and eat. This is my body. Take of the cup and drink. This is my blood. As a memorial, as a picture, as a remembrance of what Christ, now what Christ has done, in this instance of what Christ would do. And it says in verse 26, And when they had sung in him, that was brethren we have met to worship. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what it was. And they sung a hymn and they went out into the Mount of Olives. You know, it's interesting as we prepare for um, uh, Easter, or the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to think back through the events that led up to it. A lady anointing Jesus Christ it caused a little bit of a disturbance amongst some, thinking it was a waste of a precious and costly item. Yet, what she was doing was one of the early steps of preparing Jesus for his death. Then we see one of the closest people to Jesus, Judas. His betrayal. We see as well Christ with a message of betrayal that is going to happen very soon. 
And he follows that up with a memorial, a picture, a remembrance that we can remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I wonder, what do we have that we could anoint the Savior with? What in our life is precious that we've been holding on to and guarding, not willing to part with it, but that we could break and give to Jesus? I wonder how many of us, if we were one of the twelve, would have been Judas because our heart was not with Jesus. I wonder how many of us would have listened to the message and would have even questioned, is it I? I wonder how many of us today remember the body and the blood that was shed by Jesus for me and for you. Next week, as we look at the garden events in the Garden of Gethsemane, the final betrayal of Judas, the prayer that takes place and all the, all the events that happen within the garden. Before we get to the garden, we have to be in the upper room, and before we're in the upper room, we have to be in the house of Simon the leper. Are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Are you willing to give up something that is precious to you for Jesus? Oftentimes, we hold tight to things that really don't matter. In the grand scheme of things, they just don't matter. But we hold on to them with all our might. Would you consider something that's precious to you, going to God and saying, God, it's yours? come back to Judas and that thought of your heart where's your heart today most of you I've talked with most of you I've heard your testimonies of when you were saved but what about today where's your heart today is it fully committed to Jesus is it fully following him or are you just going through the motions it's a dangerous place to be And I hope that even now we remember, because we get to any time you get to a holiday, especially one that's centered around Christ, Christmas, um, Thanksgiving's not necessarily centered around Christ, but we take time to be uh, additionally thankful and give praise. You know, Easter Sunday, we are going to celebrate the victory. We're going to celebrate resurrection. Sunday before that, we're going to talk about the crucifixion of Christ, the death. That doesn't mean that we have to wait a few weeks to be remembering what Christ did for me and what Christ did for you. And if our heart is following Christ, it'll be really easy for us to do that. It all ties in together. We'll continue to walk those steps closer to the resurrection in the coming weeks. Lord, I pray for your help today. God, I know that we oftentimes as Christians, we get in the routine of church and get in the routine of of Christianity, sometimes we, we don't have our heart where it's supposed to be. And God, we see this, this woman and her willingness to take something that was very costly 
and use it for an anointing on you. But I believe it's because her heart was where it was supposed to be. And we see Judas and his betrayal, and clearly his heart was not where it was supposed to be. And God, we see the, 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 the supper that you spent with the twelve, and even telling them and preparing them for what's coming, but Lord, ultimately giving a picture of your body and your blood that was shed. God, if that's not motivation enough for us to have our hearts dedicated to you, I, I don't know what can be. So God, today I pray that you'd help us to let go of those very precious ointments that we have. And Lord, when you give us the, the command, Lord, when you give us the opportunity to serve and to do something, God, that we'd stop making the excuses and that we would just do it. God, I pray that you'd guard our hearts. God, today, if we're away from you, I pray that we would commit to come back to you today, this morning. And God, I pray that we'd always remember the sacrifice that you made and the breaking of your body and the shedding of your blood for us. But God, help us to never forget the victory that soon followed. God, I pray that today you would just help us in any area that you've spoken to us about, and I pray it in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with me, please? The piano's going to play. I've already mentioned all the questions I would ask, so I'm not going to ask them again. If God's spoken to you this morning, would you just take a moment? Give to God whatever it is he's asking for. Is there something God spoke to you about that's been a precious ointment to you that you're not letting go of, and God says, it's time to let go of it, go ahead and do that now. You've been running from God. Has your heart gotten away from God? Now's the time to take care of that. When's the last time you thought about the body that was broken and the blood that was shed? Would you ask God to keep it on your mind? Make it a memorial for you. I'll be quiet. You're welcome to come to the front if you'd like. If you'd like to stay in your seat, that's fine as well. We'll let the piano play and let each of us pray.